Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This is VEASAN's College Basketball Betting Podcast. Here is your host, Tim Murray. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Basketball Betting Podcast. Full weekend in the books. The Sweet 16 ahead of us. And we will have games in our city of Las Vegas, which is quite exciting. Joined a lot of the time by Mr. Humans, who joins us right now at Matt Humans 247 on Twitter. Uh, Matt, as we look back just briefly before mm-hmm. going straight ahead into Sweet 16 weekend, how would you define or sum up the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Uh, there's always two ways to look at it. One is uh, just from a big picture perspective, was uh, were the games entertaining? Uh, what, what was the... Uh, you know, the first four days, like, I, I thought it was great in terms of entertainment value. You know, typically that's the case, but we have some just ridiculous point spread decisions, games that went down to the wire. I mean, it's everything you would have wanted and more. Um, uh, other takeaways would be that as a handicapper, for me, it was mediocre. I had a, a awesome Thursday. Friday was a fiasco, one of, one of my all-time fiascos, one of the worst days I've ever had. Saturday was okay. Sunday was decent. Sunday was a lot better, I guess. But mediocre results overall as a handicapper. And then just general takeaways is two number one seeds are gone. I'm not surprised that Kansas is gone. I'm not stunned that Purdue is gone. Um, and the Big Ten is uh, – an embarrassment again. Eight teams in the tournament, only one left, and and that team is Michigan State. 
It's uh, Tom Izzo is Mr. March. He shows up at the Big Ten tournament. He loses one game by 10 to Ohio State. Who thinks the Spartans would be a Sweet 16 team? And that's the only team remaining from the Big Ten at this point. I think the uh, SEC's had a pretty good showing, Tim, and I think uh, the Big East has had a pretty good showing, even though it lost Marquette. Yeah, and uh, I thought the ACC was uh, overrated, and Miami is the only team left from that conference. Um, veteran backcourt, um, and they needed a, a flat-out collapse from Drake in the first round in order to still be here. Uh, we would okay. be looking at zero ACT teams, but hey, you, you can't do that with every you know single situation because there's lots of teams that are fortunate to get out of an around and then they turn it around and, you know, make a run. I mean, look at yep. Xavier. Uh, <laughs> they're a team that Matt uh, was life and death and, and probably more death than life uh, against Kennesaw state. Jack Nungy comes out of nowhere, gets a big block and then they turn around and kick Pittsburgh's ass. And here they are in the sweet 16 uh, against Texas. So that's the beauty of this tournament. That's why we love this tournament. It's a one and done uh, makes it so unique. You see a team like, fairly Dickinson uh, and a dumbass like me saying, Hey, you know, this is a team that's got so much size and fairly Dickinson at six, one was uh, their game plan. Tobin Anderson, their head coach had a phenomenal game plan. And um, you know, for second straight year, Purdue knocked out uh, to a very high seed, but you know, this, this tournament's incredible. Uh, every year it throws us some sort of different curveball, and you know, who out there had, uh, Princeton in the Sweet 16. Nobody. So it, it that's the beauty of this dance, and, and here we are, and 16 teams left. And I'll say this, Matt. I, I expected the West region uh, when it came to Vegas on Thursday night to be the most entertaining. I'm hoping for that. And the two matchups we have are are phenomenal, and, and that includes Kansas not even being there. I mean, I think Arkansas, with the talent that they have, with the character that Musselman is, uh, you've got UConn, who the computers have loved all year. Gonzaga seems to be hitting its stride at the right time offensively. Tons of questions defensively. And then UCLA, if they could just stay healthy, you and I are in agreement. We think this is the best team in the country, but they can't stay healthy. They've got tons of injuries and uh, a lot of intrigue there uh, for those games. So uh, Las Vegas' uh, Sweet 16 matchups, I think, you know, might be the most two intriguing games of the uh, of Thursday and Friday. Yeah, no question. Uh, the Vegas regional is loaded. We knew it was. We figured that was going to be the case before the tournament. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, you know, even the Ivy League, even the guys I respect who follow the Ivy League all year said, you know, this Princeton team's just not that good. Not up to usual standards of an Ivy champ. They're lucky to be here. And now look, Princeton's in the Sweet 16. So. Some of this stuff is yeah. really hard to figure. And, you know, Tennessee's a team everybody wanted to fade, too, when Zakai Ziegler, the point guard, went yep. down. And uh, Rick Barnes never had a lot of success in the tournament. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Matt Painter, Rick Barnes, tough luck guys. You know, one last note on Purdue is that I made the number on that game 17, and I was scratching my head because it was open 23, and even, you know, guys like you and Wes Reynolds were saying, lay the points, don't play the dog. I said, okay, maybe Fairleigh Dickinson's a lot worse than I think. And um, maybe I got a bad number at 17, but I never assume anything with Purdue in the tournament. And the thing about Mac, Matt Painter is he's got to change the way he coaches, man. And Wes and I talked about this on the show. 
you can't be so rigid in everything you do. You got to be flexible. You have to adjust. I've always said he's a great program builder, but he's really weak as an in-game coach because he doesn't make adjustments. You got to play some zone, you know, and Zach Eady's getting exposed and he can't defend anybody. There are different things you got to be, you got to be able to do. And when you're, your guards, Purdue's guards have been fading badly for six weeks and just not knocking down any shots. Nobody talked about it, Tim, except I mentioned it, I think, in our podcast last week. In the Big Ten tournament title game, Purdue's three starting guards shot two for 20 against Penn State. But Purdue won the game, so people tend to forget about stuff like that. I was not stunned that they played so poorly. I thought they would find a way to win a close game, but hey. That's uh, when you play a slow down, low possession style of game, you're playing right into the hands of a 15 or a 16 seed like St. Peter's or Fairleigh Dickinson. When you have superior talent, when you have the better players, you have to dictate the game. And uh, Matt Painter has got to make some adjustments or this stuff's going to keep happening. It's embarrassing. You know, the whole Big Ten's got to have to make adjustments because this happens to the Big Ten year after year after year. And Tom Izzo's the only guy who can consistently win in March. Yeah, and last note on, on Fairley Dickinson, and you know, great call by you. You you said it on this podcast. You're going to fade Purdue every game. Uh, you only got to fade them one, and yeah. I, I I was with you. You know, I I I, I took a, a future on on Memphis to win this region, and uh, you know that crashed and burned when you get a fifth year senior throwing a pass in the middle of the floor for no reason late yep. in the game on uh, against FAU, but now FAU is is very alive to win this region, um, you know, at, at, I think a price of 40 to 1. Um, but Fairleigh Dickinson, just to put perspective on this real quickly, you know, they played in the worst conference in college basketball. The Northeast Conference, worst conference, 32 conferences, they're the worst. Uh, that's that's not opinion. That's, that's you know, statistically backed. And Fairleigh Dickinson didn't even win the conference. Right. And you know, and Fairleigh Dickinson is a team because uh, they, they lost to Merrimack and Merrimack is not eligible for, because of some ridiculous, dumb rule. Uh, and they lost to Central Connecticut, you know, yeah. in the middle of February, uh, <laughs> who is bottom 10 college basketball team. I mean, that's why this tournament, once again, is is so incredible. Um, and, you know, shout out to FDU, who went 3-0 and ATS in the NCAA tournament. Um you know, people love Texas Southern. They beat up on Texas Southern. Yep. Um, dopes like me liked Purdue. They beat Purdue outright. And then they covered against Florida Atlantic, and really that wasn't a sweat at all if you took the 15 points or whatever it closed at. So uh, Tobin Anderson made a lot of people money if uh, you got on the Knights train. So uh, well done uh, by Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, one of the many great stories of this tournament and what makes this this event uh, you know, my favorite event, I think your favorite event each and every year. It's not easy to handicap, that's for damn sure, but you get some crazy, wild things. And, you know, if that game happens in the middle of November, I'm convinced, you know, at Mackey Arena, Purdue probably wins by 24 points. But because it's on a different stage and you start to get this momentum going and the, you know, the FAU and Memphis fans there, they don't want to see Purdue, so they're cheering for FDU, they're chanting FDU. I mean, it that is what makes this event each and every year just top notch and 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 un. Uh, so really, nothing can match it in, in all of sports, in my opinion. Well, last thing about that, um, Tim. If you see David fight Goliath, nobody's going to be rooting for Goliath. 
right? <laughs> I'm still waiting to see that match one of these days. <laughs> I haven't, haven't, I've been looking for it. I have been looking around corners. All right, let's get into it, Matt. Let's get into the games. We got eight games to break down. Um, we'll see how many bets we have. Uh, we ran into each other as our, as our, as we crossed paths as our shows ended. I think there's going to be some similarities here, but. Uh, let's get into the first game of the Sweet 16. It is a 6:30 Eastern start, Madison Square Garden, the mecca of uh, the mecca of it all. Michigan State, Kansas State. We've seen a flip of favorites. Uh, Kansas State at some shops open as a favorite. As a, as we record this on late Monday night, Michigan State is a two point favorite uh, with a total of 137 and a half. By the way, uh, if you blindly played unders, you are sitting with a fat bankroll because unders were cashing like crazy i believe the number was was it 37 and 15 matt i mean it was insane uh the number of unders i'm not a big totals player so uh i just i usually just stay away from which uh, i was 35 and 17 i beg your pardon uh so unders kept cashing at, a, at an insane rate i think friday it went 14 and 2 so michigan state kansas state matt uh kansas state jerome tang and his squad picked last in the big 12 preseason here they are in the sweet 16 and michigan state like you mentioned um you know the only big team 10 team left and uh, this stack courtesy of our good friend chris felica michigan state under tom izzo in the elite eight and sweet 16 matt 18 and six straight up yeah he's mr march i don't know how he does it I, i watched michigan state the entire season not very impressed and uh, no. like I said, the Spartans, you know, went to the Big Ten tournament. They play Ohio State, get beat by 10, pack their bags, and go home. And somehow they show up this week and win two games. And they do it. And they beat Marquette, the Big East champ, by shooting two for 16 from three. And Marquette knocked down 11 threes in that game. How do you get outscored by 27 points behind the three-point line and beat Marquette by nine? You know, I've watched Michigan State the entire year. I think it's Spartans shoot typically shoot a higher percentage from three. They don't take a lot of threes. I don't think this is one of Tom Izzo's best defensive teams. I think it's just uh, middle of the road. I don't think this is one of his most physical rebounding teams. I think it's just middle of the road. Somehow he's finding a way to get it done. And I thought that Tyson Walker was going to have to go off for Michigan State to be successful in this tournament. He didn't really go off in the first game. That was Joey Hauser. But against Marquette, Tyson Walker did have 23 points. And I think that's what it's going to take for Michigan State here against K-State, too. Jerome Tang said after the Kentucky game, hey, we had more dudes that showed up today. And a lot of times in the tournament, that's what it's about. Your big-time players got to step up and play like it. And you're seeing some of the teams have been knocked out. Their dudes didn't show up. Uh, Kansas State's got two the top five players in the Big 12 all-first team, and Noel, Marcus Noel and uh, Keontae Johnson. This line is curious to me because um, I, I think it's kind of like nobody wants to bet against Tom Izzo. I don't really know how Michigan State's a two-point favorite right now, but it's so suspicious that it's going to probably keep me off it because it looks like Kansas State's going to be a square dog you got the three seed that's a two-point dog, a Michigan State team with no real outstanding traits except for Tom Izzo and his knack for winning games in March. I don't know, Tim, can you explain why Michigan State's a two-point favorite? Is K-State a square dog here? Those are the questions. I can't. Out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know, I, I tend I tend to think that they they will be a little squarish. I I do anticipate people recognizing the the success that you know Tom Izzo has, um, but. Um, you know, you look at some of the early betting splits out there, uh, DraftKings over at vcent.com, 63% of the bets. Now, the majority of the betting public, let's be real, will not bet this game until Thursday or Wednesday. So, you know, your your average Joe may not be firing on this game yet, but, you know, clearly respected money came in uh, on the Spartans here. Um, and I don't know if that's solely based off of, hey, this is Tom Izzo or, or whatever it may be, um, but, you know, this, the fact that the seven seed is the favorite over the three seed is is kind of telling here uh, in this particular spot. So you mentioned three point shooting capabilities uh, from this Michigan State team. Uh, they are a top ten three point shooting team, but like you mentioned, Matt, this isn't a team that just fires threes oh. nonstop. They're only three hundred and first in the country in uh, three point uh, attempts per field goal attempts. You know they they shoot a three. Uh, every third field goal attempt, but when they shoot them, they tend to go in 38.7% from the field. So I think that it was pretty impressive, Matt, that they were able to win and really control that game. I know it got tight there late, um, you know, I guess like midway through the second half, but ultimately they pulled away. But from the jump, they they kind of punched Marquette in the mouth uh, right out of the shoot here. So uh, I don't have a play on this game as of yet. Uh, I've kind of waffled back and forth, which is always a, a risky proposition. Uh, my my lean just because of the line, and and I thought the line was kind of telling you the story was uh, was a little bit towards uh, Michigan State here. You know, the one thing I'll say is, you know, we've seen it before where elite guard play can kind of take you uh, to some special places. And Marquise Noel is a guy that is from New York City. And he could, you know, just go go crazy like he did against Kentucky. Uh, and you know, so far in this NCAA tournament, Montana State game, he was he was fine. Um, he had 14 assists, so I think that was actually pretty damn impressive. So so far in this NCAA tournament, 44 points and 23 assists for Marquise Noel uh, for Kansas State, Matt. So uh, he could be one of those players that you just look at and say, damn, he just. He just took a team on his back. And like you mentioned, Keontae Johnson is a guy that was, what, the SEC preseason player of the year before having his uh, his heart episode with Florida. I mean, this is a talented basketball player. So, um, you know, I'm going to I'm probably going to stay off this one. Um, but, you know, both of these teams uh, got here without much fluke, in my opinion. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this one on, on Thursday night. Yeah, no play for me yet here. This type of game, I'm probably going to live bet. Going to uh, Matt, the uh, the first game in T-Mobile Arena, mm-hmm. Arkansas and UConn. This is a 7:15 start, 4:15 uh, local time. Um, I'm fully expecting the atmosphere at T-Mobile Arena. It, it might be the best atmosphere of the four arenas this weekend. Um, you know, especially with the Gonzaga UCLA game and the way those fan bases travel. And I expect Arkansas and Connecticut to have some impressive fan bases too. Um, here, here's one thing, and I, I don't know if you take a look at these uh, particular numbers, but you know, UConn handled St. Mary's, but there's a 
there's a a website out there, Shot Quality, that that takes into account just kind of all this sorts of data, and you know what the actual score should be. Seventy fifty five was the actual result, but according to their numbers, it was a sixty five to fifty five St. Mary's win, just based off of you know averaging everything out. Um, you have not been a big believer, rightfully so, I would say, in St. Mary's uh, this year. You've been fading them a lot. Um, and you've been winning a lot of money because they've been kind of over, um, overinflated in the market. UConn, I think you could argue, has been a little too. How do you look at this game uh, in Las Vegas, and, and is there a play for you? Because I'm leaning towards Arkansas. Uh, both you and I loved Arkansas in round one. Uh, we, we didn't reconvene for a podcast for, for the Saturday pod. Uh, I liked Arkansas, played Arkansas against Kansas. I'm looking at the whoop. I'm looking at Woo Pig again here in this spot, but I'm curious if this number ticks back up a little bit because I'm seeing one offshore as of Monday night tick back to four, and uh, I might wait here and see what number we can ultimately get with with Arkansas. Yeah, I, I think what I'm uh, going to wait for here is four as well. I was thinking about betting Arkansas at the opener last night. I thought I would grab four. It disappeared, went to three and a half. Um, if you watch the end of the Penn State-Texas and TCU-Gonzaga games, you know every half point, every point matters. <laughs> so I'm going to look to um, <laughs> I'm gonna look to get four with the Hogs. I think they should be live dogs in this game, even though Connecticut's stronger in the low post. And, um, you know, the Huskies have been really impressive in the second half in their first two games. Trailed Iona by two at halftime, blew out the Gales in the second half. Led St. Mary's by one at halftime, fortunate to be leading at halftime, and blew out those gales in the second half as well. Um, you know, I'm not sure what's up with Nick Smith. Wes Reynolds and I talked about this. He played 16 minutes, didn't score. So you got actually Arkansas's two, two high-profile uh, players who are considered to be NBA lottery picks combined for four points in the game against Kansas. You know, And you look at that and say, how, how the hell could that happen? I'm not sure that Nick Smith is on the same page with Eric Musselman and what, what the hell is going on there. But Musselman's kind of like Tom Izzo, right? He seems to find ways to win these games in March. He's one of those coaches that's got that magic. Uh, I'm leaning towards taking Arkansas, but i got to get to four, and I'll just kind of hold on to this one this week. I think this is going to be a hell of a matchup that kind of goes to the wire, similar to the Arkansas-Kansas game. Yeah, and uh, to your point about Nick Smith, uh, Seth Davis in his write-up of the weekend said, Smith has been a non-factor in the NCAA tournament. He had six points against Illinois, went scoreless in 16 minutes in the upset win over Kansas. There was much elation in the Razorbacks' locker room, but Smith went into the bathroom and cried out of frustration. So, yeah, I, I don't... I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, Devontae Davis was unbelievable in that second half for Arkansas. Um, but the fact that they're doing it without, you know, Nick Smith, so to speak, uh, is is telling. And, yeah, Eric Musselman, what, back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, now into the Sweet 16 again. Some coaches uh, just know how to hit the right buttons, and uh, they've got a ton of talent there. So uh, we'll see. A game that I have made a bet on on Thursday, Matt, I took uh, when it touched six earlier today um, at Circa. I took six with Florida Atlantic, uh, who is uh, 
was my enemy in round one, and they found a way to win. And, you know, curious to get your thoughts on this, because Florida Atlantic was the underdog, right, against Memphis. A lot of people thought Memphis would win. I thought Memphis would win. Uh, even though I said, look, I think it's a toss-up game, but ultimately I think Memphis will win. I think they'll have a chance to potentially make some noise in the bracket, which I still agree and believe they would have. But they didn't. Kendrick Davis made a terrible turnover, um, and it wasn't just his fault. They were pushing and shoving. I mean, it was a a, a shit show, to be honest, with, with Memphis uh, there on Friday night um, for for the Tigers in the loss to the Owls. But Florida Atlantic then had the role of favorite against Fairley Dickinson, and Fairley Dickinson played him well, um, had a chance to kind of stun him. And, and FAU, I'll give them credit. You know, they, they pulled it away in a spot that they might not be familiar with, and now I feel like they're back in the role that they would thrive in, which is the underdog role. And Tennessee, like you said to start the, the podcast, Matt, you know, Tennessee was a team that people were looking to fade. I've been looking to fade. I bet them on, on Saturday because I just thought this Duke love was, was way overblown. And now I think that people think Tennessee could maybe win the East, you know, go to a national championship. Let's pump the brakes here on a team that's missing your point guard, has long stretches of struggles offensively. And, you know, for Florida Atlantic, this is a deep team. Right, they play a handful of guys. Um, they're not overly veteran. It's not. This isn't a senior-laden team, but there's not a lot of freshmen on this roster. I think Florida Atlantic's a live dog in this spot, and I would take five and a half, which is available across the market. Uh, and maybe there'll be a six, a six that pops again. But I think Tennessee laying five and a half, Matt. They thrive much more in the underdog role where they bullied a young Duke team then I think they will thrive in a in a favorite role where the pressure's on them to beat a team that they're expected to beat. I agree with that. I, I expect to see some offensive regression from a Tennessee team that was uh, unusually hot from three-point range in the second round, nine for 21 from three. The balls were in that game. They usually don't shoot it like that. The balls bullied the Duke freshman, and I was disappointed in the way um, the Blue Devils did not respond to how physical that game was. I'm watching a replay of it right now on CBS Sports Network. And Duke got pushed around and didn't push back. The Owls are older. Uh, they're not going to be intimidated. Uh, John L. Davis off a hell of a game. John L. Davis had uh, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 steals. <laughs> That's a hell of a game for a third-year sophomore. Is that good? Yeah. And um, – I agree with everything you said. And by the way, Fairleigh Dickinson hung tough in that game. I think they – Yeah, they did. They way outplayed their uh, computer numbers, right? And every, we all thought that's the worst mm-hmm. conference, worst team in the tournament. And uh, they didn't look like a joke. They were not exposed against uh, Fort Atlantic. I don't know if that's a bad sign for the Owls or not. I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to look to bet Fort Atlantic here. Uh, like you said – Sixes might pop up again. Some, it's very early in the week. It's five and a half across the screen. You might see a six at some point. But, hey, this Tennessee offense without Zakai Ziegler, a point guard, can go through some extended scoring droughts. And that's not the type of team that you want to be laying points with. Also, I don't think Tennessee's going to get away with the uh, pro wrestling style of uh, play that the 
used against Duke. I think this game's going to be officiated a little bit closer. And uh, also, Fort Atlantic is a well-coached team. Dusty May's doing a great job. These guys didn't win 30-plus games uh, by a fluke. So I'm looking to play Fort Atlantic here against a Tennessee team that's got an offense that can't be trusted to cover a number. So let's take five and a half or, you know, if we can't get six, I'll take five and a half with FAU. All right, final game on Thursday, the creme de la creme, uh, arguably the most anticipated game of the Sweet 16, Gonzaga, UCLA, UCLA now a two-point favorite. I see a two and a half at Caesars right now. So money keeps coming in on the Bruins, which is surprising to me. Um, and, And it's not because I don't believe in UCLA at full strength. Like I said, and like we both agree, I think UCLA is the best team and would won a national title. And I would have felt great where I was at a 14 to one future, but they've got a lot of injuries and Jalen Clark is out. Um, Gonzaga, as we saw on Sunday night, when they get rolling offensively, good luck trying to stop them. Uh, Drew Timmy is playing at a, at a phenomenal level. Um, you know, Julian Strother, uh, Rasir Bolton, they were hitting some big shots in that game. Um, you know, they were down at the half to TCU and I live bet uh, Gonzaga. I felt like this is a, this is the spot to get the Zags and, uh, that three pointer at the buzzer may have, uh, been the luckiest thing for me because I got a, a fortunate middle there. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at this spot, uh, Matt, UCLA, we know they're without Jalen Clark, arguably the best defensive player in the country. Uh, they still have Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell. Uh, Adem Bona did play 16 minutes against Northwestern, which is a positive development. But David Singleton, who's not, you know, he's a role player, but still someone that they want to have and a veteran player, rolled his ankle. Mick Cronin said it's not broken, but it's a bad sprain. And then I guess he said uh, something to Jaime Jaquez about getting some <laughs> something, uh, some magic lotion or whatever he said to uh, to put on his ankle. But the, the injuries keep on piling up for UCLA. The thing about UCLA, though, they can defend. Now, how much will that be hindered without Jalen Clark? When you see Gonzaga, as we've seen in years past, Matt, play a physical, defensive-oriented team, Baylor in the national championship uh, last year to in the Sweet 16 against Arkansas, they struggle. So how do you see this game playing out Thursday night in Vegas? Well, um, if Jalen Clark were still healthy, I'll just say it quickly because he's not, so it doesn't matter. But he might be the best defensive player in the country, and he's the type of guy you can throw him out there on Drew Timmy and help lock down Timmy. I would have loved UCLA in this game because when you get a finesse offensive team against a tough defensive team, I'm taking the defense most of the time. And with uh, Jalen Clark in there, UCLA – Houston, obviously the top two defensive teams in the country. You take Jalen Clark out, it's a tougher handicap for me, Tim. It's uh, much more difficult because it's not a UCLA team that has a lot of depth. And, you know, we watched David Singleton go down with that ankle ankle injury. He did the LeBron James routine where he rolled around on the floor and it looked like he got shot by a sniper. And then 10 minutes later, he's up walking around. Uh, so there's hope that he's going to be able to play Thursday night. When I initially watched the replay – it looked like he might have broken his ankle. It looked like he might have snapped. And then all of a sudden, he's walking off the court, and he, he appears to be okay. I'm not sure 
how effective he's going to be able to be. But Bruins need his three-point shooting on that end. And I, I wonder if, um, you know, under 145 and a half, I don't see any 140s. Yeah, 146 at Circa. I wonder if under 146 is the right way to look in this game. Is UCLA really going to make this a slow-down, low-possession game? They're going to frustrate the Zags, make them play their style. And by, you know, Mick Cronin doesn't have a deep bench, Tim, like we said, so they don't want to run, right? They don't want to get up and run up, run them down the court, and make it a racehorse game. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 146 under, and um, <clears throat> I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with the side, but I, I think that in games like this where you don't have a strong opinion, live bet it, uh, like I was talking about with Michigan State, Kansas State, because uh, you're probably going to be able to get a better number and plus two or minus two, uh, whichever side you like, in Gonzaga, UCLA. And I want to see what Singleton's availability is going to be like, how healthy is he going to be. And uh, you can also kind of get a feel for the game in the first uh, five or ten minutes and grab a better number than what's out there right now. I'm leaning under 146, and uh, I'll tell you what, Gonzaga at plus two and a half, I would have to lean that way because I just – Jalen Clark injury is huge. It's huge. And then uh, you throw David Singleton on top of that. He's the best three-point shooter. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know if UCLA's got enough. So I'm going to withhold judgment on this well, one for right now. Well, and I'll say this, Matt. You kind of talked me in here a little bit to the under because um, I hadn't thought about it. You know, playing an under in, you know uh, – a game like this with Gonzaga and UCLA, but got to think, you know, UCLA averages about 66 possessions per game, which is, you know, bottom, you know, 244 in the country per Ken Palm. Um, this is a team that, that will slow it down. And if you're missing, um, you know, a key component, you know, offensively like Singleton or he's, or he's hampered and you don't have a deep bench and you know, your opponent wants to run and that's what they thrive at. Uh-huh. I think UCLA is going to want to muck it up. And uh, I think the under is a really good look here. And you know that people are going to want to fire on the over. Gonzaga scores a ton of points. And I'll tell you this, Matt, one other point on you playing the under and looking at the under. Last time these two teams played, the epic Final Four game, final was 93-90. People are going to bring that up all week. Talk about you know how that game was played and how electric it was and it went to overtime, tied at 81 apiece, which obviously would have been an over. Nobody is going to want to play an over, and I think you're going to get – or sorry, an under. And I think you're going to get a pretty good number here in what should be an electric atmosphere. It'll be the final game at T-Mobile uh, following Arkansas-Connecticut. We both know those fan bases travel. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit back and, and hope that we can get an over-inflated – uh, total here uh, on a situation where, look, I think Mick Cronin is is a top-notch coach. He's no dummy, and he knows that what Gonzaga excels at is getting out and go. Look at the second half of the TCU game. I mean, that yeah. Gonzaga offense, when they run, they are almost unstoppable. So you're not going to want to let that team run and, and be comfortable. You're going to want to muck it up and make them feel uncomfortable. I think the unders is absolutely the look here in this spot. Yeah, and aside from uh, Drew Timmy, Jaime Jaquez, you don't really have any elite offensive players, guys who can fill it up, score in bunches. Uh, the, 
the Bruins like to go to Hawkeyes every time they need a bucket. He was 11 for 19 against Northwestern. You know, you had Tiger Campbell at 0 for 7. Uh, Singleton was actually 1 for 5 from 3. You know, the, you talked about that previous UCLA-Gonzaga game. There were much better offensive players on the floor in that game than we were going to see in this one on Thursday night. Uh, Jalen Suggs was a top five pick. No doubt. No doubt. I, I actually think Mick Cronin's going to do everything he can to make this game ugly. He wants to make it like 65-60, 70-65. You know, that would be a high-scoring game. I, I think under 146 might be a little bit better uh, play here than the side. But I am going to live bet the side. And uh, I'm not sure how. I just, I just want to see how this game starts. But Let's go with under 146 as a play for me right now. All right. We'll, we'll do a recap at the end of this podcast. To Friday we go. I think Thursday is the better day. Uh, but, hey, we never know. We can guess, and then the games play out. Uh, I actually have a play in this game. I think you do as well. Um, and speaking of mucking it up, I think San Diego State's going to do that to Alabama. Now, the market has moved in favor of Alabama. Uh, people think that Alabama is the best team in the country now. Understandably so. Uh, looked the part against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, even though there was a, a last-second three-pointer that was important to some there uh, from the Islanders. But Alabama took out and uh, cruised to a victory against Maryland. But I, I really like this San Diego State team. I talked about it last week, one of maybe my few uh, positive points on this podcast. I bet them at plus 154 to make the Sweet 16. And I don't know if they're – live but i think they're going to make this tough on alabama this is an elite defensive team this is a veteran team taking on a team that it's going to make them feel uncomfortable matt in this spot and you know they didn't play all that well against charleston did san diego state they crushed Furman, and now i think they're going to keep it close you know this is a team that's very slow uh top five in the country in defense and they make you work and the thing for me in this one, Matt, is three-point shooting. Alabama's not a great three-point shooting team, but they shoot a ton of threes. They're top 10 in the country in, uh, in three-point field goal attempts. 47.5% uh, of their field goal attempts are three-pointers. And what San Diego State does and has done really well this year, as we talked about on the podcast, you know, look at the Utah State games. They swept Utah State, beat them three times. Utah State... Well, we thought they were a really good three-point shooting team. Didn't show it against Missouri. But they shut them down from the three-point arc. They averaged 28.7. Uh, that's a field goal, three-point field goal percentage. I think San Diego State's going to make it tough on them. Uh, maybe we get an eight again in the market. I grabbed an eight. But I will make a seven-and-a-half an official play here on the podcast. I think San Diego State makes it really hard for Alabama on Friday. I do, too. I actually grabbed a plus eight with San Diego State as well. And uh, I'll say, I'll go this way. I didn't make a big bet on it, so I'm going to go, my play is going to be a half unit. I'm going to split a unit here, a half unit on San Diego State plus eight and a half unit under 137 and a half, like uh, Wes and I talked about on the show tonight. It's kind of a correlated parlay. When you look at the Aztecs, mm -hmm. they're really good in three-point defense, really good in transition defense, and I think they're going to be a tough matchup for Alabama because you know, I've watched the Aztecs for – about two decades now, and they don't really change. They stick to three-point shooters. They make you play their style of game. It's an elite defense, athletic, and long enough to give Alabama some trouble. 
Bottom line here is I think Brandon Miller is by far the best player on the floor, and he's probably going to put the tide over the top in a tight game. But I do think the uh, Aztecs can hang in here and make, make like, rough for the tide. So uh, I like the dog. I like the dog in the under, the correlated parlay. But like I said, I'll split the unit there and not make it a big bet because uh, there is a chance that, San Diego State, which goes through some scoring droughts, hits a rough patch in the second half, and then Tim Murray's going to be tweeting. He's going to be angry, and uh, we're going to desperately need <laughs> a couple. Do that, buckets. Matt. What are you talking about? <laughs> we're going to desperately need a couple buckets by the Aztecs to get back in the game, and uh, I'm worried about that. I am worried about the San Diego State scoring droughts, and uh, that's my biggest concern about this game. I do think they can make it ugly, low scoring, and hang in there. I don't think they're going to win. It's interesting, Tim. I bet the Mountain West tournament teams under their win total of three and a half. And the only way I could lose that bet is if San Diego State goes to the final four and picks up four wins because the other three Mountain oh, West teams were one and done. That'd be a bad beat. How about that? Would that be a that'd be a, a really bad beat? Unexpected beat if the Aztecs got all the way to the final four, which I don't think it's going to happen. But, uh, hey, man, stranger things have happened. The way this bracket breaks, I think we're going to have two unfamiliar teams in this Final Four. Could happen. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's get to uh, the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, 7-15 Eastern Miami against Houston. Um, I had Drake in the first round. That was fun. Uh, up 55-47, to 5.45 to go. Miami Ooh. out of timeouts, and Drake goes uh, ice cold, 16 to one Miami run to close out the game. Uh, Tucker DeVries, Mount Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, one of 13 from the field, one of 10 from three. And uh, Drake blows that one. Miami wins. And then Miami dominates Indiana. Sorry, Wes Reynolds. That was a, a beatdown. And then to make matters worse, the uh, Indiana women lost to Miami <laughs> the following <laughs> night as well. <laughs> oh, the sweep by the Canes. Um, so my curiosity here, Matt, as the numbers showing seven, there's actually a six and a half out there at Circa. So some respected money, it seems, coming in on Miami, understandably so. You look at some of the betting splits. Public is uh, early taking the, the canes here. You know, Houston, to me, in that second half against Auburn showed what they're capable of. And this game being on Friday, I think, is advantageous to Houston because of the injuries to Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser. Sasser looked great in the second half. And that second half in Birmingham, uh, to me, kind of said, okay, this is the Houston team that that I bet to win the national championship, that I picked to win the national championship. So Miami is great guards, but I think Houston's guards trump them. I'm not looking to get involved at seven, uh, but I think Houston has the ability to, to make this ugly uh, if they play the second half that they showed uh, against Auburn. Yeah, I actually picked Houston in my bracket to go all the way. I don't have the great bet like you do at 22 to 1 on the Cougars to win the whole thing, but I was mocking, uh, you know, Jay Billis and and uh, Joe Biden for picking Arizona to win the tournament. And then uh, the next day, my pick to win at Houston was down 10 at halftime. Wasn't feeling great about that. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, it's the same thing we've said about Auburn. And I, I say it about Alabama sometimes, too. They don't play the highest IQ basketball. They get a lot of bad shots. They can be volatile. They can be susceptible to uh, big runs by the opponent. 
And you have to give Houston more of the credit because I thought the Cougars just turned up the defensive efficiency and said, the hell with this. We're going to lock you guys down, and this game's over. And Houston outscores Auburn 50-23 to in the second half in Birmingham. Very impressive. A lot of talk before the game or speculation. Is Marcus Sasser going to play? There's a report he's out, and there's a report he's in. He's out. He's in. Well, it was pretty important that he played because he had scored 22 points, hit five threes, right? And uh, it was a big factor in the Cougars uh, winning that game. So I'm, I'm not going to look at the injury situation as much when you handicap this one. Uh, you know, Wes and I talked about Indiana really blew the game. Indiana was up three on Miami in the second half. If you recall, it was 50 to 47. And the Hoosiers got a steal at midcourt. And Miller cops leading a fast break. He should have passed it off to somebody for a layup. Instead, he pulls up from 20. Five feet and bricks a three-pointer. Miami goes back the other way and hits a three and then goes on a long run and pulls away and wins the game. That was a huge uh, swinging point in that game, turning point in the game in favor of uh, Miami. You got to be the Houston guards much better defensively than the Indiana guards. I think Houston wins this game, Tim, but, you know, I don't like laying points here. I think it's uh, a situation where I might play Houston – on a money line parlay with something if I feel like it later in the week. I don't this is the game I'm I'm probably probably got the weakest opinion on. I'm gonna say Houston wins, but I'm not laying the seven, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, and I I'll just yeah, I'll sum it up this way, like you mentioned. I've got a future on Houston. Uh I'm not hedging. <laughs> I think they win. I, I do think they cover, but uh, I don't lay in seven uh in this type of spot. You know, with Miami's guards playing it the way that they have, their defense is not great. Um, but I think you know this is a, a classic spot of what what have people seen lately? And Miami played really well uh, against Indiana, and uh, you know that's the the situation we're in. All right, last two games of uh, of of the of the Sweet Sixteen, <laughs> and you mentioned that Houston Miami was the one that the ones that you had the least opinion on. I would say these two might be the ones I had the least opinion on. Uh, uh-huh. We'll go in chronological order. We'll go back to Louisville. Uh, how about the Princeton Tigers, ladies and gentlemen? Another 15 seed from the state of New Jersey into the Sweet 16 for a second straight year. It was St. Peter's last year, and they got the win in this round uh, against Purdue, and now it's Princeton. They take on Creighton. Uh, Creighton's a team that I actually have a future on, and I have a little nibble on them to come out uh, this was back in, I don't know, January uh, to reach the Final Four. So I, I would love Creighton to win this game. Um, we saw what Creighton is capable of. They're a team that they'll they'll defend, and uh, they can shoot it as well uh, as anybody out there. I was really impressed by their performance against Baylor. But you know what? I got to give Princeton a lot of credit. I thought the athletic guards on Missouri would give them fits. Not the case. They dominated that game. Uh, you know, really from the jump. And Princeton deserves uh, a ton of credit. Uh, They didn't shoot well against Arizona, shot much better against Missouri. Uh, Kobe Brown finished with 12 points. He looked unstoppable against Utah State. So uh, the the Tigers deserve all the credit in the world, had a 20-plus point lead at one point in that game against Missouri. So, um, you know, I, I think Creighton wins, but hey, uh, Princeton, the way that they're playing right now, Matt, um, uh, Ivy League, honestly, not a league that I handicapped really much at all this year. So 
Um, I was surprised to see them beat Arizona, and then I was even more surprised to see them dominate Missouri in the fashion that they did. Wes Reynolds likes to say water finds its level, you know, and you're talking about a 15 seed here. And uh, typically these teams get to this point in the tournament and get blown out. But that didn't happen with St. Peter's last year as a 15 seed until it got to the Elite Eight, I guess. But uh, like I mentioned, the couple of guys, Aaron Moore, Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review Journal, Aaron Moore, who's a VSIN contributor, these guys watch the Ivy League every week, mm-hmm. and they were saying before this tournament, nah, this Princeton team's no good. They're lucky. Going to be outclassed by Arizona. They stink. And then Tigers roll in, upset Arizona, and blow out Missouri. Man, I was really surprised by that. Just manhandled Missouri. I'm leaning towards taking the 10 here. Uh, but, you know, we talked about if you want to play a money line parlay, if you just want some action on a couple of favorites you think are going to win – but you don't trust them to cover. I think you compare Houston with uh, Creighton uh, because I think it probably is going to be a Creighton-Alabama regional final, even though I, I kind of lean to the dogs taking the points in those two games. What really wasn't a fluke what the Tigers did to, uh, well, what the Princeton Tigers did to Missouri. The Tigers. Over the weekend, you know. So, and that was a Missouri team that really shut down Utah State. And we were talking about San Diego State's three-point defense. The Aztecs held Utah State to four for 24 from three in the Mountain West Tournament. That's a Utah State team that can shoot. Missouri handled them, and then Princeton handled Missouri. So, you know, I saw Creighton in person at the Maui Invitational in November. Blue Jays made a big comeback, played a great game against Arizona. Wildcats won that uh, Maui title game, and I was really impressed with uh, both teams. I came away surprisingly impressed with Creighton. I said, man, this team's actually got everything it needs to get to the Final Four. I I thought that maybe they lacked athletes or, uh, you know, weren't going to be in the class of some of these elite teams, but but Creighton is that good. So that's it. Lean to the dog, getting 10. Uh, but if you want to play a money line parlay on a couple of those games we just talked about, I guess you could match up Houston and Creighton. I don't think those two teams are going to lose. Yeah, it looks like I'm doing the calculations right now. Uh, a money line parlay with uh, the two teams that we just alluded to um, would probably be like minus 165 yeah, that's uh, around that that's price uh, for Houston and Creighton. Yeah, so it might be a situation, I'll be honest, Matt. And, uh, you know, could this be kind of Super Bowl-esque where you get a suppressed money line because we know people get to town, they want to bet. If they're going to bet the dog, they want to take the big shot. They want to take the money do- uh, money line price. So, you know, you might get a, a suppressed money line uh, on a Princeton or, or a Miami. So, uh, sorry, or Houston or a Creighton, I beg your pardon, because they're going to want to take the other side. So, uh, could be the way to look. The final game on Friday night. Xavier and Texas. Uh, Xavier, life and death with Kennesaw State. Jack Nungy, the hero there to get the big block coming from the uh, opposite side. And Xavier holds on to beat the Owls and then turns around and really never in doubt, uh, especially the cover against Pittsburgh. As for Texas, uh, you know, moving on, uh, beat Penn State, a red, a pretty hot Penn State team uh, that was was fantastic from three in their first round victory uh, over Texas A&M uh, Penn state gets the, uh, the last second cover there. So Texas, uh, the win, not the cover against Penn state, Texas, a team Matt, playing really well. We saw the return of Timmy Allen. 
He played a little bit against Penn State. Another week to get healthy for Timmy Allen there for the Longhorns. Longhorns won their conference title. Seem to be getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, they're playing for Rodney Terry. Will he get the head coaching job? Minus four. Uh, I feel like the public will probably be all over the Longhorns in this spot. But the tricky part is for me, as I would normally look at the dog here, and I may still look a little bit at the dog, I've just never been a big believer in this Xavier team. I've bet against them a bunch this year. Um, you know, they Zach Fremantle being gone, obviously they've played without him here for about a month or so, Matt. But, you know, at some point they're going to they're gonna miss him. And, uh, and they have been missing him. Suli Boom, huge transfer for UTEP. They got some pieces. Jack Nungy, as I mentioned, you know, a unique power, you know, seven-footer who can block some shots, who can shoot a little bit too. When he steps back, he's 40% from three. Um, I want to look at the dog, but I just this has never been a team that I've fully trusted in uh, this season. So uh, this is probably going to be a pass for me uh, in this spot in the 2-3 matchup in the Midwest. I'm not crazy about taking the points with the Musketeers here. Uh, Texas got by Penn State, and I really did like Penn State a lot in that game. I thought the way the Nittany Lions spread the floor with five guards and shoot the three, that they got hot. They could take out the Longhorns. They didn't get hot until late. It was almost enough, but not quite. That was a crazy point spread finish, by the way, at five and a half with Penn State in that five-point loss, and uh, I'll take it. Texas won that game because Dylan Disu was so dominant in the low post. Penn State was just outmanned. Texas was bigger. Disu was just getting anything he wanted in the lane. He had 28 points, 10 rebounds. He's not going to find it that easy to score against Xavier in the paint. Um, Texas is one of the few futures I have left live. I'm going to have to double check this. Let's see. Might be the only one I've got left. Uh, I've got UCLA, sorry, UCLA at 14 to 1. I've got a lot invested on Texas at 31, 30 to 1, but that was before, you know, Chris Beard got fired. And it's, uh, you know, Rodney Terry's done a decent job. He's not Chris Beard, but it just feels like, Tim, we're headed for a Houston, Texas regional final here. I think the mm-hmm. Houston, I think the Longhorns guards are good enough to, uh, Longhorns guards are good enough to win this game. Again, not a situation where I want to lay the points, and I really don't have to play this because I got the futures on Texas, so it's going to be live if they advance. Um, that's that's. <clears throat> this is one. Uh, you said you don't have a strong opinion on some of these games on Friday, and I agree with that. You know, it's the situation where I'm going to be pulling for Texas to win. I think their guards are better, and that's going to be enough to get the Longhorns to win. But I don't see anything in this game right now at 4 or 149 where I see a big edge either way. All right, there you have it, the Sweet 16 games. Let's quickly do what we do, a little best bet recap. Best bet recap. All right, Matt, your best bet recap for the Sweet 16. All right, my best bet tonight is going to be Taco Bell. I'm heading over there for a couple Mexican pizzas right now. But I'm my uh, <laughs> my bets for the Sweet 16, that's what you asked for. Okay, I'm going with Florida Atlantic. We'll say plus five and a half. I am waiting to see if we see a six again. But uh, I'll take five and a half with the Owls. I'm playing Gonzaga, UCLA, under 146. That's the number at Circa. Uh, right now, that's the best number in the market. And uh, let's split a unit. San Diego State plus eight. 
and under 137 and a half. DraftKings had eight. You know, I talked about this on the show with West tonight. I think that eight just disappeared from the screen. It might pop up. I think it'll pop up again because the public's going to want to bet Bama, not San Diego State. So let's go plus eight and then uh, split the unit under 137 and a half, which is the DraftKings or circuit number. That's the best number out there on the total. And, uh, you know, I'll say that uh, I'm – I'm probably Tim. I'll, I'm going to put these in probably the probably play category. I'll take four with Arkansas if the four shows up again, and I'll probably play Princeton plus ten. But I like the Arkansas play a little bit better. All right, um, you're going to hear an echo here. Um, Florida Atlantic plus five and a half, and uh, San Diego State plus the eight. Uh, I'm intrigued by Arkansas. Uh, we'll see what that number ultimately does. And uh, you've kind of uh, piqued my interest on that under. As uh, producer Steven lets us know that uh, the UCLA-Gonzaga game, in addition to the uh, Jalen Suggs um, three-pointer at the buzzer, it will be the 17th year anniversary to the date of the Adam Morrison crying on the floor game uh, back in 2006. So uh, thank you, Stephen, for that uh, that nugget there, UCLA and Gonzaga. So there you have it. We will have another podcast, myself, Adam Burke. Uh, we will give you that later this week. I think we're going to record that on Tuesday. Some more opinions regarding the Elite Eight, or excuse me, the Sweet 16. We'll have Elite Eight podcasts as well. But Matt... Go get yourself some Mexican pizzas. You've been talking a lot tonight. Uh, Always a pleasure. We'll talk later this week. Okay, thanks. You bet. There he is, Matt Humans. Once again, rate, review, and subscribe. This has been the VSIN College Basketball Betting Podcast. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, 
safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.